Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name is David Lloyd. I'm a writer, an actor, a broadcaster, general bon vivant, a man about town. Well, man about the village, actually, in the small village of Backwell, where I live, where also lives the kind of prime creator of this podcast, Mr. Chris Budd. Chris, hello. How are we doing, David? Currently, I'm I'm the man about my front room with lockdown. <laughs> That's about as far as I can take it, I reckon. Uh, so yeah, we've got the financial well-being book, which I wrote quite a few years ago now, and the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, the Institute for Financial Advisors and others to help make the world a happier place. So um, come and check that out, everybody, because uh, we're doing some very interesting things at the moment during this lockdown period. And uh, Tomo, who the hell are you? <laughs> Every week. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> All right, let's see, let's see how long my list is going as you two have, have, have put such a great list together. So uh, primarily, I am a director and charter financial planner at Ovation Finance. I'm also a director at the Initiative of Financial Wellbeing, like Chris, and also a very busy father who is uh, enjoying lockdown with a toddler. Thank goodness for the sunshine at the moment. Fantastic. And you're also my financial advisor, Tom, and a very good one you are too, and a very, very lovely man you are too. I just want to put that out there. Bless you. I tell you what, it's another check in the post. I, this isn't very <laughs> good money-saving tips from me, I tell you. It's cost me a fortune. Excellent. Right, what's on today's podcast, Chris? Today we are going to look at the four chemicals in our brain that are most responsible for happiness and we're going to have a little chat about what they are and how we might be able to uh, improve their effectiveness. Oh interesting now before we come on to that actually I've got a bit of news I know sometimes we like to come up with a bit of personal news as as you know and you you certainly know Chris and I think I've made reference to it over the years in the podcast I have been writing a novel I'm nowhere near as prolific as you, Chris, but because I've been doing other writing stuff as well. But yesterday, I managed to type those two marvellous words, the end, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. It's only the first draft. I've got to have to go back and look at it again and rework bits of it. But I finally got to the end, almost three years from when I first started it. So I, I have to confess, I shed a little tear. Yeah, big moment. That's fantastic. Well done. And and now now the fun bit begins, I think, which is the editing and, and uh, getting it all down first time round is one thing. But but I really like going back over the words and into the sentences. And as Neil Gaiman puts it, getting them down amongst the words. Exactly. No, I enjoy that. And I have to, do, I have to say, I've been doing some of that as I've been going along. I, I mean, it's so long since I started it. You know, I need to go back now and look at the thing as a whole. When I started it, I didn't even know how it was going to finish. So Do you now? <laughs> I do now, yes. <laughs> so I need to. So I need to go back and just make sure that it all makes sense. Anyway, that's my little bit of personal. Well, I I, I have some some similar news in a way that uh, I also have finished the third draft of my of my novel that I've been working on for a few years, and I think I've broken a new record. I think I'm the proud owner of the Guinness Book of Records. I sent off my uh, draft to some literary agents last Wednesday, and uh, about six thirty in the evening, and I got my first rejection back eight thirty the next morning. Right, that's quick work <laughs> i reckon I, I deserve some sort of an award for that i'm not quite sure what i love the way that you're, you're finding the positives in in such a quick rejection <laughs> well i've had a lot of rejections you, well it's this is part and parcel of being a writer and uh and, and and it comes back to this and i'm sure i've used this expression in the podcast in other contexts before and no is just deferred yes <laughs> <laughs> 
you always need to remember that. So keep, but, but in order to get the yes, you have to keep asking the question. Yeah, quite. And there is a genuine well-being bit here, because I was talking about this with Susie, because I've got two novels I, that, that I've published, self-published, and uh, so I've got an awful lot of rejection slips. Um, but they don't actually make any difference to me anymore, because I'm not writing to be heard particularly. I'm not writing to make money. I know that I'll have, a, I don't know, 50, 60, 100, 200 people will, will read a book. Oh, 200 would be, would be fantastic. But even if it's just 10, that's made it worthwhile. It's the fun of writing it. I write because I can't not write. And that's why I do it. So actually the rejection slips are not generally that big a deal. But having said that, a five movie deal would be nice. I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> well, indeed. Anyway, well, good luck with yours and we'll see what happens with mine and I will keep you all informed. Right then, let's move on then. Let's have the first of our regular features. Well, I say a regular feature. It's a relatively new feature. It's where we get uh, Neil Bage, who's a, an old friend of the podcast, to come up with one of Bage's behavioural biases. What have you got for us this week, Chris? This week, Neil's going to talk about confidence. There we go. Now, the first bias I'd like to talk about today is overconfidence, or more to the point, confidence. Now, I'm pretty confident that everybody listening to this podcast knows what confidence is. Sometimes it's easy to spot, but most of the time it's really well hidden, disguised in just who we are. We aren't really equipped with the ability to just look at someone without any degree of interaction and gauge how confident or not they are. We often confuse bravado, the extrovert, with confidence and the quiet person, the introvert, with underconfidence. And that simply isn't a true reflection of people and their abilities. An extrovert at a party, you know, the person dancing and joking around with everyone, may appear very confident, but that doesn't necessarily map across to that person's confidence when it comes to making financial decisions. Just like risk-taking, which is domain-specific, confidence can also be domain-specific. But how do we measure confidence? Well, we measure it by looking at the difference between a person's subjective knowledge, what they think they know, and a person's objective knowledge, which is what they really do know. And understanding the difference between the two is absolutely crucial in understanding whether a person is underconfident or whether a person is overconfident. Now, we often hear overconfidence being talked about a lot in relation to investment decision making, but underconfidence can be just as problematic when people are trying to make important decisions. People who are exhibiting underconfidence have low subjective knowledge. In other words, they think they know a little, but actually they have high objective knowledge. In other words, they know a lot. And this means that when they are being asked to use their underlying knowledge, they will feel as if it's not good enough. Or in the best case scenario, they seek the help of an advisor. In the worst case, they put off making a decision altogether, purely based on a fact that they believe they haven't got the right skills to make the decision. And when we talk about this in relation to overconfidence, people who have high subjective knowledge, they think they know a lot, but they have low objective knowledge, they actually know very little, it's easy to see how, in certain instances, we can come unstuck pretty quick. So accepting what you know, accepting what you don't know, means that we can make decisions with the right level of confidence, which should hopefully lead to the right outcome for you. 
So if I can sum that up, it seems as if we've got to be wary about being uh, overconfident because uh, the danger is that we will attempt to do things actually we're not able to do. But also we've got to be careful about being underconfident because we won't attempt to do things which we are well capable of achieving. Yeah, I, I, that's pretty good. And, and in, in money terms, you might get people who say, I'm not very good with money. You know, you hear that quite a lot. Well, what does that actually mean? Uh, it's worth exploring that a little bit by thinking about how you actually make money decisions. So Neil and I are doing some a series of webinars together, or, or a course, really, because it's three 90-minute webinars. And uh, listening to some of the stuff that he comes up with on this is just absolutely fascinating. Um, they're, uh, they'll probably be done by the time this podcast comes out. But if anybody wants to uh, to have a listen to them and download them later, they can do. Just get in touch with us. Yeah, Excellent. I, I, yeah, I hope you don't mind me jumping in, David. But you're going to experience this. We're actually, we've actually teamed up with Neil and he's put together a fantastic app and uh, sort of background back office system for us to, to link in with clients. And it all goes into some of these behavioral traits that we have. And confidence is one of them. So it actually tests whether you are somebody who tends to be quite overconfident or underconfident. And obviously with that information, we as advisors talking to, talking to our clients, such as you, David, can really understand where you're coming from when you make your decisions and ensure that you know, ultimately the information we're talking about is pitched at the right level. So yeah, fascinating stuff. It's just a whole deep world you can go into, but I think it's going to be massive for really understanding ourselves. Well, I've got some big financial decisions coming up, Tomo, so I look forward very much to going through those with you. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on now to uh, our next feature, Titus Tomo. Sometimes I just let this pass as to where it came from. Sometimes I feel it's important that we just remind ourselves how this feature came about. Tomo was taking Chris and another colleague out for lunch. He said, don't worry, my treat, I'll pay. He steered them towards a particular meal on the menu, and it turned out this was the meal for which he had a free voucher. And therefore, the legend of Titus Tomo was born. Before we come on to the master himself, Chris, have you got one for us this week? I do, David. Tomo, is this rather taken over your life, this Titus Tomo, isn't it? <laughs> it's just remarkable. I mean, Chris will know this, but in, in our circles, we've, we've, we do a, been doing a morning. Uh, it's called The Morning Commute, and it's, it's done for a group called Next Gen Planners. Great group. If you're a planner listening to this, check them out, get involved. Um, and I do a slot a couple of days a week, tight as Tomo. So what, the way it's taken over my life is I've had to re-listen to all, every single episode we've ever done and every single tip I've ever done and regurgitate them. And then, of course, that just then means that nobody knows me as Tom anymore. They just know me as a tight ass. Um, I'm not sure about that. But Which has the happy coincidence of being entirely true. So it works out <laughs> quite well at the end. Uh, so look, I've, I've got one this week from, uh, from Mrs. B, actually, from, from the lovely Susie, my wife. Uh, she asked me to put this one on. Uh, it, she is an oncology nurse. Uh, she also works at the Penny Bron Cancer Centre, to whom all the proceeds of the Financial Wellbeing book go. And she has a great little tip about how to prolong the life of your rocket. So, and I'm talking the salady type rocket, not the thing that goes whoosh up into the air rocket. So salad leaves and all this kind of stuff is great for our bodies. And that's one of the things that nutrition is one of the things they talk about at the Pandy Bomb Centre a lot. But the problem is that it, it, put it, you're selling those um, plastic bags and it gets all sweaty and goes off pretty quickly. So what she does is he put, she puts it in a tub, plastic tub, with a sheet of kitchen roll underneath and on top. And it stops the rocket from going off and makes it last many times longer. Oh, that's a good tip. And I will do that one. Nothing more annoying than your salad in a bag going a bit sort of sticky and smelly and, and off in that way. So I shall take her up on that one. Tomo, what's yours? Well, 
as you guys well know, as we were setting this all up today and having a chinwag, uh, I reminded myself that I didn't have one. So I've just furiously done some Googling. No, I know where to look. I, I just... In your diary, presumably, is it? Yes. <laughs> no, I, 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 it reminded me, actually, that, that I'd just forgotten to note it down. There, were, there were, I came across a website called nimber.com. That's N-I-M for Mike, B-E-R.com, show notes, etc. cetera. Um, and I thought this really fed into some of the stuff we've talked about before. And what they try and do is you have people who, basically it's a delivery service, but the people who are doing the deliveries are doing it because they're going in that direction already. <laughs> so it might be that they're on their commute and they happen to be going that, to, oh, hang on a second, this this is exciting. I got a cup of tea coming in here. Hey! We're in lockdown, I work from home. Oh! And a biscuit. Scones. Scones? Oh, my God. Where's mine? Are you coming to say hello, Toby? Are you going to come and say hello to all of our listeners? Hello. Are you going to come and say up to the mic? Hello. My name's Toby. Hello, Toby. <laughs> hello, Toby. Good to see you. How are you, Toby? Good. What did you have for breakfast? Um, Weetabix. Oh, yum. One or two? Um, two. Whoa! You're a growing lad, aren't you? (laughs) And what are you doing now? Um, it's just time for snack. Oh, fantastic. Are you going to go and have your snack? Are you going to say goodbye? Bye, Toby. We have a new section of the podcast. We have a new star. <laughs> Toby's <laughs> breakfast tips. Yes, far more interesting than his dad. <laughs> oh, so I genuinely, I've got a cup of tea and, and some scones homemade by oh, the two of them. That's staying in. That's gold dust, that is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so I completely lost my train of thought. Who cares? <laughs> You're telling about us about this, about this app where people are Nimba. going in a particular yeah, direction and will do you exactly. a delivery. If you want to send something, you go on the website and you put, I need to send X to, to such such location. And those that are deliverers on this service, pick that up, you know, and try and go in that direction. I think that the whole aim is to just try and cut down on travel costs and use of emissions and all that sort of thing. Because ultimately, if you're going in that direction, why not deliver as well? So I thought it was a Lovely. very interesting uh, service. So go check it out. I'll let you go and look at the detail. Um, but yeah, nimba.com. Nimba, excellent. What a good idea. I'm intrigued by that. I shall check that out after we've finished doing this recording. Right, let's move on then to the main event. Chris, why don't you introduce our subject for today? Okay, David, thank you. So there's a a couple of friends of the podcast. There's one very good friend of the podcast called Catherine Morgan, who is a financial coach. Uh, She is also uh, a fellow board member on the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing. She's a real innovator in the field of helping people to better understand their relationship to money and get better financial wellbeing outcomes. So Catherine sent me a really interesting and funky looking infographic from a website called bananatreelog.com. That's bananatreelog.com. And I had a little look at it. It turns out it's just a small blogging website from a gentleman called Anthony Cow, uh, K-H-O-W, in Canada, who suffers from anxiety and um, has set up this little website just for his own interest. So he's not a well-known person. He doesn't have a big business or anything like that. He's just a guy who set up a website. But he does 
possess fantastic infographic and communication skills. Uh, on Twitter, he is at banana tree log. Uh, and as I say, the website is bananatreelog.com. And I was so inspired by what he put together that I thought we'd have a chat about uh, some of his stuff, which is all around the biology of happiness. What chemicals in our body create feelings of well-being and what we can do to increase those chemicals? Well, I always find alcohol works with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a chemical or not. I think we're looking for a more permanent solution. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm certainly in lockdown. I'm doing my best to increase the amount of that that I've got in my body. <laughs> so let, let's go through these four chemicals. There are four chemicals in the brain which are known as the happy chemicals. And I thought we might introduce one or two each. So, David, do you want to go first with endorphin? Yeah. Now, I know a bit about endorphin. It's the chemical you get from exercise. It, it relieves stress and pain. And you can even get a mild high. But, of course, this also makes it a bit dangerous to have in excess as it can be addictive mm, yeah I, I i've got back into running at the start of the yeah. year and uh it's actually quite dangerous for me now because i'm still going out but my knee's not is not doing particularly well but i can't help but going out and getting those endorphin kicks for the rest of the well day. i'm the same i've started taking up running again and uh and, and i'm a bit like you i never look forward to doing it particularly i never particularly enjoy doing it while i'm doing it but i always feel great afterwards yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. So um, I've got another, I think, quite addictive one is dopamine. Uh, and in very simple terms, this is known as the pleasure chemical. You know, things that we can do to get it include things, uh, achieving things, you know, getting what you desire, you know, no matter how small. So, yeah, the pleasure chemical. And there is serotonin, which is sometimes called the leadership chemical, uh, because we get serotonin when we are admired or respected. And then there's good old oxytocin, the chemical of love, so-called, because it's released during physical and social contact. I really didn't like the way you did that. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I am a man who is in lockdown and separated from his partner. You know, no, no, no more information. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> So look, a, a little. We'll get into each of these chemicals one at a time. But um, if, a little word of warning before we do. Um, we know from some of the stuff that Neil Bader was talking about about framing that it's easy to frame language in a certain way to get a certain outcome. So, when doing some reading around this subject, I quickly realised we're going to have to be careful with our language today. Uh, in what way? Well, let's uh, take dopamine, for example. We're coming at this chemical in terms of happiness. So we might describe dopamine as a chemical that enables learning and pleasure. We might say that too much can lead to addiction and not enough can lead to low self-esteem and procrastination. But when I was reading about this, I read other articles calling dopamine the goal-achieving chemical, that it's the chemical that creates great leaders. And that feels a little presumptuous to me, like it sets up being a great leader up as something to achieve, a good thing. And that, um, that that might make a person think that they need to chase dopamine. So that means I'd suggest that we need to make sure we are clear about what makes us happy. Each person, you know, is very different and will have their own, their own needs, so which comes back to the cornerstone of financial planning, um, the achievable intrinsic motivation. Oh, no, we've covered that before, haven't we? Remind us what that means, Tomo. You know, we heard uh, first from Professor Tim Castle all the way back in episode 42. You know, there are two types of motivations or purpose, intrinsic and extrinsic. An intrinsic motivation is one that has no real reason. We just do it because we want to. 
an extrinsic motivation is one we do for someone else, such as you know, such to impress someone or please someone. And Professor Casser's research shows that if we achieve an extrinsic motivation, then this has no effect on our well-being. If we achieve an intrinsic motivation, however, this really does create well-being. And the biological explanation of that then is that achieving an intrinsic motivation will release dopamine. Exactly. Whereas achieving an external motivation will not. So it's not just as simple to see dopamine as, for example, a way of creating great leaders or finding success. So could it be viewed as being perhaps the other way around? Find personal success, achieve purpose, and then dopamine will follow. Exactly, David. So we come back to the importance of having a clear financial plan, which aims towards those achievable intrinsic motivations. And that'll increase our dopamine levels, which will increase our well-being. Exactly. That's the theory, yes. So is there anything else we can do? Yeah, having a daily list, uh, a to-do list and crossing things off when you get them done is a good thing for dopamine. Getting regular exercise. Uh, Actually, regular exercise is good for all four of the happy chemicals. And it, it creates good for dopamine. It's also really good for endorphins, as we said. Yeah, I thought endorphins were all about exercise. They are, but it's not just exercise. They uh, also minimise discomfort and pain, alleviate depression, reduce stress and anxiety, and boost self-esteem. All right, get me more of them. They're endorphins then, please. Sign I up. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs B has been doing, what's the guy's name? Nine o'clock every morning. Joe, what's his name? Joe Joe Wicks. Is she doing it for the exercise or is she doing it for Joe? Oh, controversial. No, he, I think he's great. Do you know what I love about him, actually? Because I, I sit on the sofa and watch Mrs. B <laughs> doing her exercise with Luna and Ella. We all, we all think he's great. But he suffers with you. I think he's fabulous because he doesn't say, come on, this is easy. Come on, everybody. He, oh, this is, you can tell it's actually really easy for him, but he pretends it's hard to, to empathise with everybody. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, on the chasing endorphins is a bad thing. The fitness addict, for example, is uh, it, you know you, I think we all know people who can't stop running triathlons, etc. Yeah, though we we just touched on a moment ago that that there is a slight bit of addiction of desperately trying to get out there and get that hit, but not necessarily good if you run through injuries, etc. But yeah, there's the extreme addicts that 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 I know that fitness is just consumes their life. Yeah, so it's, apart from physical exercise and creativity, which we've also touched on, is there anything else that we can do to keep our endorphin levels up? Yeah, laughter and crying produces endorphins, so um, having emotional reaction. But the really good news is that eating chocolate and having sex are also very good for producing oh endorphins. Oh well, God. as, as I just it. said, yeah. uh, I am <laughs> oh God. separated from my partner in lockdown, but I do have to say I've been eating a lot of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I'll uh, leave that one there, I think. Let's move into... swiftly on then. Oxytocin, <laughs> the chemical of love. Oh, is this moving oh, on? Um, this, oh. is, this is a different type of love. Um, this is because uh, oxytocin is also sometimes called the cuddle hormone as it's produced through physical or social contact. But it does have a negative side. For example, it can explain why people mistrust outsiders. Right. And, you know, it's worth reminding ourselves of the five parts of overall well-being at this point. You know, we're always trying to stress on this podcast that money is just a tool to bring about happiness. Focusing on money in itself will actually reduce our well-being. So the main area of this is social relationships is a key area of well-being. And perhaps oxytocin explains why this, why this is the case. You know, being engaged with a community, 
which is another area of well-being, has also uh, been shown to majorly impact our well-being, certainly in a positive way. Uh, so from a well-being standpoint, you know, I think we quite like oxytocin very much. Yeah, and how can we ensure then that we have strong levels of oxytocin? Well, we've mentioned physical contact and the fact that it's linked uh, with being a community. Having a pet, like the one that's currently barking outside my cabin, <laughs> giving it lots of love and cuddles. Um, that's been shown to lower blood pressure and increase oxytocin. Yeah, I've got my little dog, Ruby, and she's been a great comfort for me. And she is, you know, sometimes will climb up on my lap and sit there. And uh, that certainly I can identify with that. Should we bring it back to finances? As no, we I think are, we probably as we, should, yeah. You don't like it when we go all cuddly, do you, Tomo? No, you don't no. like the cuddly stuff. I mean, I can kind of see the theory of it, but I do like to bring you back to the to the financial <laughs> element of this. Uh, go on, then. <laughs> look, from a financial point of view, you know, we need to remind ourselves you know, what our money is for. I've, I found some really interesting ideas on a website called Psychology Today, which said that, other ways to increase oxytocin include telling people around you that you love them and to combine dopamine and oxytocin, achieving things with other people. So now go back to our intrinsic motivation point. We also know that helping others is a big contributor to well-being. So donating either money or maybe just time to something that you can get involved with, that you can see achieving something that you believe in, and that means it's something to you that is going to have a significant boost to your levels of well-being. You know, it's not just a case of giving money through the feeling of guilt. You know, I have that experience, certainly in the winter when I actually went into work because we're homeless and locked down. You know, I would walk past quite a few homeless people. And you, it's terrible, terrible situation that, that a lot of people find themselves in. And you might give them a bit of money, but that's an assuasion of guilt a lot of the time. But if we can actually use our money be involved with other people, to involve in causes that we see, you know, something being achieved that can give us a real boost and creating um, a shared achievement. Oh, that's very well put, Tomo. So that leaves us with uh, serotonin. Yeah, this is a complex one. Uh, we're not medical experts here. We're not going to pretend we are. But it does seem clear from, from the research that amongst other functions, serotonin helps to regulate mood, anxiety and happiness. If you take drugs like ecstasy and LSD, they cause a significant rise in serotonin levels. So this is a good chance for the podcast. I suggest chats for you to share your ecstasy and LSD stories, if you like. Well, I don't have an ecstasy story, but I'm, oh quite, pre- but I'm quite prepared to co- come up and say that, that 46 years ago, when <laughs> I was a very young man, I did double with LSD. I took it, I think, four times. And the first three times I took it, it was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. I went on a journey of the mind unlike any I'd ever gone on before when I thought this is the most liberating thing I've ever done. And the fourth time I took it, it was absolutely horrible. It was the archetypal bad trip. I won't go into the details of how horrible it was, but it, it was absolutely psychologically scarring and damaging. It was, I think, probably, and I've had some bad things happen to me in my time, just about the worst experience of my life. Uh, And the one thing I would say about LSD and probably about any of those hallucinogenic drugs is that is that any number of good trips is not worth the bad trip that I had. So that's my personal experience of LSD. Thank you for sharing that, David. I think that there's a very strong message. I mean, it it was your fourth and last. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, as I say, that was nine. I was 19. 
I'm 65 now, uh, and and I've never been remotely tempted to take it again. No, I can so imagine. Horrible was the experience. Well, well this is so. I, I would say, I'm, don't do drugs, kids. Um, it's interesting. So those drugs are designed to tap into those particular chemicals. I'm assuming, but clearly have a huge downside. So I think this really shows the importance of thinking about sensible things that you can do that can boost these chemicals that aren't going to be a hindrance to your health, because that's another area of well-being is, is the physical and mental well-being. You know, we cannot lose sight of that. So, and yeah. it's how the things are balanced, Tom. It's a fantastic point. Yeah, uh, it's, it, the, the five areas of well-being overall need to be balanced with each other. It's not about one over the others. And having a balanced level of serotonin is important. Not having massive boosts of it um, through through artificial drugs. Uh, there's a, a chap called Simon Young, writes in the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience, and he talks that uh, about how to increase your serotonin or keep it well balanced is sunlight aerobic exercise and as ever good diet foods high in tryptophan tryptophan i think it's called such as chicken eggs cheese peanuts pumpkin sesame seeds and again chocolate it keeps Hurrah. coming out <laughs> so presumably if, if our mood levels are constant social relationships are easier which all round leads to increased well-being yeah, exactly. And as uh, to quote Simon Young, research confirms that positive emotions and agreeableness foster congenial relationships with others. Ah, now it seems to have fallen to me in recent podcasts to summarise what we've learned. But on this occasion, because he's been absolutely on fire today, I think we should let Tomo have a go. OK, so there are four chemicals in our brains which are thought to directly affect our well-being. That's endorphins serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. And keeping these at a good level and in balance with each other will go a long way to improving our well-being. You know, things that particularly help this are perhaps unsurprisingly eating well and exercising regularly. So that's our physical well-being. Being involved with a community, that's community well-being. Sharing time with loved ones, you know, that's the social well-being, and there was also this idea around achieving something and having purpose, that's career well-being. So you can see that financial well-being, I see, is the sort of hub that can help give us a structure to be able to focus on these other areas in our lives that are ultimately going to give us an increased well-being because we're getting these chemicals into our system and on a, on a good balance. Brilliant. So that's all the things that we've been discussing over 66 podcasts then, and we'll no doubt continue to discuss. But that's all for now. A big thank you to Anthony Cow at Banana Tree Log for all of the very, very interesting information that's prompted this discussion. Thanks very much for joining us today. And we look forward to the pleasure of your company at some point in the future for another one of our financial well-being podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. 
This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Thank you.